0: If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 is a classic scripture. It's a, it's a fundamental scripture. But, you know, spring training is getting ready to start. And you know what they practice in spring training, right? The basics. And if, I truly believe if the body of Christ can just get proficient at the basics, we could do great and mighty things. I truly believe that. So... Title sermon is fighting fair. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, and it says, "Jesus replied." Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and this is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second one is equally as important: love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based upon these two commandments." Now, this is just very simply uh, just three verses. And if we're not careful, we won't give these three verses the weight that they deserve. And let me tell you why. Because basically what what Jesus did, he took the ten commandments that the children of Israel were, were to live by. He took those ten and broke it down into two. Now, the 10 are so important, but if you take 10 and break it down into two, how many of you know those two must be even more important? And they are. So, it says, what we're going to focus on today is love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I've heard lots of people say that, you know, oh, I just, I love God, and, you know, I just love to go to church and praise him and worship him, and I love his word, but, But man, those people at church, I can't stand them. Have you guys ever said that? I love God, but man, that wife he gave me, she's so great. She's so wonderful. I just love God with all my heart, but them children, oh my goodness, I just can't stand those kids. Ah, but that's not the way it's supposed to work. That's not the way it's supposed to work. I mean, if we love God, the scripture actually teaches us the more we love God and the closer we get to him, the more we will love those around us. And I'll even go this far, husbands, wives, parents, grandparents, and children if you want to love those around you more, if you will get closer to God and find out more about him, you will automatically love those around you more. I've seen it, I've seen it happen time and time and time again. Now, before I get too, too far into this, I, I want to make sure. Now, this fighting fair and treating others the way we want to be treated and loving others the way we want to be loved and loving God the way we want uh, to be loved. Let me tell you real quick, it is not a big project that you tackle, okay? It's not this humongous project and you don't know if you can ever get it done or not because it's so humongous. That's not, that's not it at all. That's not, that's not how you will ever accomplish walking in love. You will never get there that way. Let me tell you how you will get there. You'll get there by doing small, simple, loving acts 50 times a day. You will never wake up next week being the type of person that God wants you to be and the type of person that you want to be if you, wait for the, if you just wait for your love ship to come in It'll never happen. Just like if you're waiting for your financial ship to come in, I doubt if it's going to happen. But if you will take those small steps every day and every opportunity that comes up and you don't want to love somebody or you don't want to be nice to somebody and you do, you just want a victory right there. You just put a a brick in your foundation. Amen. So don't look for this big high, this big, big high love ship to come in, but look for those little times fifty times a day to grow to where you want to go. Amen. But see, it takes practice. It takes practice. And and another thing, here's another thing it takes. It takes wisdom. You see, you can come here every Sunday, and I can teach you and talk to you about the love of God and the mercy of God and the blessings of God and the fruit of the Spirit and the the power of the Spirit. I can talk to you about all of those things, and you can learn all those things. But if you're not careful, if we're not careful, and this is so true in the world today, we'll have all of this knowledge but very little wisdom. If we're not careful, we'll have all of this knowledge of what we should do and what we shouldn't do, but we'll have very little wisdom. Amen. And the difference between the two, here's the difference between the two. Okay, we all know that we should forgive others, right? We, all, we probably all know that we should pay our tithes. We probably know that. We know we should come to church on Sunday. And we, we know all these things. We know we should treat our wives well. We probably know that how we treat our wife, if we don't treat our wives good, It will hinder our prayer life. You know the Bible says that? So we probably know these things, and that's knowledge. But wisdom is when we put that knowledge, actually put it into practice, and we actually do it. And see, that's why God's, all through God's word, he tells his children to seek wisdom. That's what he wants us to do. Sure, he wants us to have knowledge of things, but what he really wants us to do, he wants us to walk out, walk in that knowledge and see it's, or in that wisdom. And see, it's that wisdom, that's what produces things in our life. When we actually put all the reasons we shouldn't do it, we put them behind us and we force on Past what the world says, past what our flesh wants to do, past all those other things, and we say, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what his word says. Whether the whole world does or not, I'm going to. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. I just want you all to know that was my wife that started that applause. All right? I just want you to know that. You were a little late on that applause, babe. You spoke supposed to be a little bit, little bit quicker on the applause, then. Now, here's the thing about the relationships. And that's what we're in. We're in a relationship series. talking about fighting fair today. Now, here's the thing about relationships. Oh, my goodness. They can bring you so much joy and so much happiness. Is there any, is there any, Jason? Who's sitting beside you, Jason? Your fiance, Lindsay. Lizzie, Lizzie. I'm I'm sorry. Has anybody ever seen them around the church? Yeah, they got it bad, don't they? (laughs) Or actually, I guess I should say they've got it good, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But see, that's the way relationships is. That they they can bring so much joy and happiness to our life, and praise praise the Lord for that. and whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or, or even our children. And of course, I've talked about my grandson all the time and you know how much joy he brings to my life and my daughter and, and son-in-law. And, uh, and, so, and even my friends, they bring so much joy, uh, you know, to my life and stuff. But here's the thing about relationships. Those same people that bring me all that joy, they can be a royal pain in my butt. <laughs> Bear. Chester. <laughs> but see that that's that's the thing that's so difficult about relationships. Now and also that's also why relationships are so important. Because the relationship can, can just bring all kinds of blessings into your life and actually put, you know, really actually be the mean of life almost because even with our relationship with God, but I don't know if there's anything that's more important in this life than our relationships that we have. But the same ones that bring us so much joy and so much pleasure can also bring us so much heartache. Man, I've got to move on. So here's the problem. All of our relationships are always not going to be rosy. We are going to have fights. I always, uh, I always have to chuckle, you know, over the years, you know, I, you, met, you meet with uh, different couples and fiancé, you know, and they're getting ready to get married. And, and, and I've heard numerous of them say, well, we just never fight. And I just almost have to, oh, 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 oh. you better have one before you get married because you don't know what he's going to be like. Or you don't know what she's going to be like until after you've been in a fight with him. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Yeah. And that was the biggest amen of the day, right, <laughs> right there. But it's true. So, so, so in any relationship we have, we know there's going to be conflict. There's going to be struggles. And it doesn't matter. Now, here's the thing. Now, it doesn't matter if it's a marriage or if it's with your friend. Let me put it like this. It's unrealistic to think that you will have a boyfriend, girlfriend, or be in marriage, or have a friend and think you're never going to have any conflict. That's unrealistic. That will not happen for very long. And if you're not prepared for it, when it does happen, that friendship might end. That marriage might end. That that relationship might end if you don't know and you're not, not ready for it. You know, a lot of times in America, of course, we all know what the stock market does. It goes up and down a lot. And that's the way our relationships are. I mean, Jason, right now, you and Lizzie are, wah, your stock market is going through the roof. (laughs) But how many of us know everything that does go up? It must come down. And I'm, you know, yuns will make it great. I know Yunes are. are uh, some of the rare exceptions. but. But the stock market goes up and down. But here's the thing about relationships. Our relationships go up and down too. And it's very important that, of course, we all love the time that our relationships are going up. We love that. Isn't it great? I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than that. But here's the thing, there will be a time where your relationships will start going the other way. But that don't mean you should give up. That don't mean the relationship should stop. That does not mean that the relationship is over. It does not mean that that they're no good and they're not who you thought they was and they betrayed you. That does not mean that at all. It just simply means that you have some discussions to do. It simply means you have some growing to do together. It just simply means you have things to work on. Is all that means. My goodness, we're working on stuff all the time, me and my wife. <laughs> Don't we? All right. But it's important for us to just because the stock goes down, for a, a week or two, or a year or two. Sometimes, you know, in marriage couples, they'll be married for three or four years and get along great. And then, things start to happen. And a lot of times, they bail out. When that plane is going down, when that relationship's going down, they bail out. But sometimes, all they need to do is talk about it and communicate. And sooner or later, that's not going to going back up again. And I don't crash and hit the ground. fighting fair, many times that we give grace to those around us. That's why we read in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, love your neighbor as yourself. Give them grace. Now, is there anybody here that never gets in a bad mood? Is there anybody here that never has an attitude? No, we all do. And let me tell you, that's <laughs> I see a lot of elbowing going on out there, Man. A lot of elbowing. <laughs> of course we do. We all do. But let me tell you, whenever your spouse or your friend or, or your fiance, when, when they're temporarily in a bad mood or something, that's not the time to jump on them and beat them up. That's the time to give them grace. <coughs> Amen. Now, let me tell you something that me and my wife has accidentally found over the years. And every, basically every couple and hopefully a lot of friendships do this over the years. But I guess what we've just accidentally come across is we've learned to shorten the time. And this is it. This is, I I want you to get this today. Is to give 10 minutes of grace. When your spouse or your friend, when they snap at you, or if they have a bad attitude for a moment... Or if they say something that you don't like, don't throw them under the bus right then. Give them 10 minutes of grace. You know why? Because more than likely, they feel as bad about what they said or what they done or how they acted as you do. And if you will give them 10 minutes of grace and 10 minutes and allow them to correct that attitude, it won't ruin your day. It won't ruin your week. It won't ruin your whole month, and it might not even ruin your relationship or your marriage. Does that make sense? So give them 10 minutes of grace. You know, there's because we all have, you know, sometimes we'll be talking, and I'll have something on my mind, and, and she's wanting to remember about, we talked about the uh, six lanes of traffic and the women and the footbridge for the men. You guys remember that? Well, I'm a footman. I'm a footbridge guy. And she's talking and I'm trying to think and work on something and stuff. I'm like, oh, just give me a minute here, will you? But see, she's very good about not holding that over me for an hour or two hours or a day or a week. She's very good about giving me the grace and realizing that I still love her and that she means a lot to me. And she realizes that she needs to give me grace. And it's the same way back and forth. You see, we we need to give grace. We have to give grace because we need grace. Everyone in here, I know there's some good people in here, but there's still people, everybody in here needs grace. Amen. You know, our relationships with with our, our friends and those around us, they're just like a relationship with God. They take growth and understanding. You know, I usually, I usually tell a, a young wedding uh, couple that they will grow. The groom will grow and the bride will grow. Now, here's the question. Will they grow together or will they grow apart? That's the question. They're going to grow. All of God's creation grows. But will they grow together or will they grow apart? It's the same way with our friends. Same way in our marriages. You know, we see uh, Jesus gives us another great example in John 8. I don't believe we have that scripture for you, but that's okay. I'm going to fill you in on it. Fighting fair. He gives us a great example of this grace. And this is a woman caught in adultery is what it is. And basically, in verse 7, basically what happened was, her accusers came to her and they came to Jesus and they was pointing their finger at her and, and, and asking, asking Jesus, what are you going to do about this? She was caught in adultery. She was caught in sin. What are you going to do about this? How You know, judge her. That's really what they, was, what they was really wanting Jesus to do was to judge her right then. And we see that in verse 7. And it says they kept demanding an answer. And see, that's what, with no grace, that's what you have. You, give me an ant, you're right, right now. And it goes on to say, and he stood up again and said, "All right, but let me, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone." And I think a lot of times that's what we have to remember when we go to discussing things, or in heated argument, whatever the case may be, we have to remember that the person that we're talking to or arguing with, they are just like us. They're trying to do the best they can. Hopefully, they're trying to serve the Lord. They're doing just like us. Put it right down there, buddy. And then Jesus brings it back in verse 10, verse 10. And Jesus said again, and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Condemn you? And then Jesus said, and she said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Go and learn from this. Go and don't do what you've done anymore. So that's what God, he wants us to do. He wants us to fight fair, and he wants us to learn from our situations. He wants us to learn from the things that we go through. Another great example... I like this one about fighting fair in Luke 22. In Luke 22, we see this great example. And basically what this one here is, this is no matter, no matter what, we're talking about fighting fair. No matter what, when we are fighting or a heated discussion, whatever terminology you use, One thing that we must do, we must still love them. Even when we're in intense discussion, we must still love them. And I, and I love this. This is uh, Luke twenty-two forty-nine, 49. And this is when, uh, this is the night before Jesus was crucified and the soldiers was coming to him. And Judas was coming, and Judas was getting ready to give him this kiss on the cheek. You've heard about the kiss of death, right? Well, that's not a secular term. That comes from the Word of God. I'm going to read this for you, Luke 22:49. And it said, when the other disciples saw what was about to happen, and what they seen was, here comes the soldiers, and they was coming to get Jesus. Because the next day, they was going to hang him on the cross, Okay? It says, when the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought our swords. Don't you love to have friends like that? Here they come. Let's, let's get them. Let's bond together. Verse 50 says, and one of them struck the high priest's slave and slashed his ear off. You got any friends like that? You get rid it around one of my buddies, I'll cut your ear off. Yeah. Yeah, I'll poke in the eye. <laughs> I got a few stories I can tell about stuff like that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> and it goes on to say, he struck the high priest and he slashed his ear off, but notice this. But Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no more of this. And Jesus reached up and he touched the man's ear and he healed him. So even though, Jesus was in a battle, and even though he knew where, where he, they was going to take him, he would not allow his followers, his friends, his disciples to raise a hand against those that came after him. Ooh. Man, you mean I can't raise a hand against my wife? No, not if, not if, Jesus, didn't, not if Jesus didn't raise a hand against his enemies. You shouldn't raise a hand against your loved ones. Isn't that right? That's right. You know, Luke does not tell us that Peter was the one that cut the ear off, but the Gospel of John does. And you know, Peter, he was he was like a, a cannon waiting to go off all the time anyway, you know. But can you can you just can you just imagine this? You know, they're standing there at their sword, and and, you know, stand there, and they're all ready to protect Jesus. They've got their swords and stuff, and they're just waiting, you know. They're, they're ready for a fight. Peter, he, they are ready. they got their swords, man. They're, it, you know, they are way past the spiritual point at this point, I'll tell you. They are in the flesh. They've got their swords. There's going to be some blood. That's what's in their mind. And so here, so here the, the servant comes up, and Peter slashes his ear, and then Jesus is like, Peter! What'd you do that for? And then picks it up and puts it back on. (laughs) There. Peter, what in the world? And I'm sure, just like sometimes whenever Jesus looks at us, Jesus probably looked at Peter and said, Peter, have you not learned anything these last few years? But you know what? Peter was the only one that got out of the boat. Right? And whenever Jesus, whenever he was, when he was raised from the dead, Jesus said, go tell everybody and Peter that I am here, that I am alive. I think even though, even though Jesus didn't approve of him doing a violent act in a time of Passion or cry or war, whatever whatever scenario you want to put it in. I think it spoke to Jesus that Peter was so determined that whatever he took, he was gonna do what Jesus wanted. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. Stand with me, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we do worship you and we praise you, Father. Father, I just pray that you'll take these words and minister to the hearts, and minister to relationships, minister to, to couples and friends, minister to the all, Father, that we may grow closer and that we can all somehow realize that how important relationships are in each one of our lives. Father, we just worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, I've told you for the last few weeks that during this relationship series, that during the altar call, and if you've never received Christ, we want you to come forward. Like I was telling you at the beginning of the service, we want you to come forward. If you've never received Christ, we want you to come forward and receive him into your heart. But I've told you each week that during this series that we're not necessarily praying for ourselves. We're praying for others. Because relationships, so much of the time, is about those around us. So if you know of a, if you know of a, whether it's a, a child, <coughs> excuse me, a child or parents or a, or a marriage or a church, anything that anyone, any, any circumstances is having the trouble with relationships, and trouble communicating and trouble fighting fair, I want you to come up and pray for him, Whoever it may be. Come on now. Come on. I know you guys aren't a bunch of snow white saints. I know better now. You guys got friends, right? Come on now. You're not coming for me. You're not coming for yourself. You're coming for them. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for every church that's in strife right now. I just pray, oh Lord, Wherever that church may be, if there is strife going on, if there is division going on, I pray for them, O Lord. Father, I pray that you'll convict the ones that are stirring up that strife, that you'll come against them and you'll stand against them and they will be bound and they will leave and the Spirit of God will dwell there. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Love. Oh, Lord, just pour out your love upon this place, Father. Every heart, every mind, every relationship. Let us grow in those, Lord. Let me share one more scripture with you right before we go. Now, this is kind of a shocker. James 3.16 Now, I'll tell you what, when I read this scripture, this might bring understanding to a lot of people. If you've been in a relationship or in your marriage and it is just not working out and you don't know why and you just cannot seem to get it turned around, I want you to listen to this scripture. James 3.16, real easy to remember. Not John 3.16, but James 3.16. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambitions exist. Of course, we all get jealous and we're all selfish, have selfish ambitions sometimes, right? No? Sure we do. For where jealousy and selfish ambitions exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Can you believe it says that? I'm going to read it one more time. For where jealousy and selfish ambitions exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Now, let me tell you what that tells me. We must do everything we can to take the selfishness out of our relationships and take the jealousy out of our relationships. Because if you don't, You don't have a chance. I don't know how to put it any clearer than that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.